0: This is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting.
1: Support for the legislature today is provided by West Virginia University, offering education, health care, and the opportunity to achieve career success since 1867. Information at go.wvu.edu forward.
2: Welcome to the Legislature Today, I'm Randy Yowie. The 2024 legislative session just kicked off yesterday, but between the two chambers, there were nearly 1,000 bills introduced. In today's show, we're going to hear about nine delegates who left the House since last session, along with honors for a longtime staff member who passed away recently, and for the longest serving woman and Republican in the Senate. And finally, I'll talk to the Democratic legislative leaders to get their response to Governor Jim Justice's last State of the State Address. But first, Chris Schultz brings us an overview from that speech from the governor last night.
3: Okay, sit down. Y'all look like you're getting tired. (laughs) And you gotta clap a lot tonight.
0: So began Governor Jim Justice's final State of the State address Wednesday night, in which the governor reminisced about his tenure leading the state and laid out his plans for his final year in office. He looked back to his very first address when he outlined his priorities of education, roads, and economic diversification, but not at the cost of the energy industry.
3: I said we need to make education our centerpiece. We need to grow tourism. We need to diversify our economies. We need to never, never, never forget our coal miners, our gas workers, and our fossil fuels.
0: He said those same priorities continue to drive his administration today. Justice was re-elected to his second term as governor in 2020, and term limits mean this will be his final year in the position. Hours before addressing the joint chambers, he officially announced his candidacy for Senate. Justice compared the state's outlook and finances from when he started to today, recalling what he said was a dire financial situation when he took over.
3: I stood before you pledging to fight for the soul of our state. We were staring down a dark tunnel. Our, st- our state was bankrupt. Our jobs and our people were leaving, and our spirit was broken. Do you remember those days? Do you remember what that was like? It wasn't any fun, was it?
0: Justice highlighted his personal income tax cuts before proposing a further elimination of Social Security taxes and instituting a child and dependent care tax credit. He discussed his commitment to not growing the government as he presented his sixth flat budget, a principle he credits to helping grow the state's Rainy Day Fund, which now holds more than $1.2 billion.
3: This is a pile of money. But we have grown this state to have a pile of money. So instead of just sitting there stirring in a pile of money, let's put the money at work. Let's make the money work for us.
0: Justice proposed $50 million for a new state-of-the-art agricultural science lab at West Virginia State University, $3 million for crisis pregnancy centers, $20 million for senior centers, $5 million for charter school growth, $150 million for the school building authority, and $100 million to bolster West Virginia hospitals.
3: And this will help a lot of folks You know, our West Virginia hospitals, all across our land, step up for us over and over and over and over and over.
0: Over the years, justice has been known to lean on folksy phrases and nuggets of wisdom, often derived from his father, like, don't confuse effort with accomplishment, and there's always something you can do. He concluded his speech by urging the assembled lawmakers to continue the state's growth by completing projects like Corridor H, and one final turn of phrase.
3: I would say to each and every one of you, keep sawing the wood. God bless you. Thank you.
0: Afterwards, the House of Delegates received the executive's budget for fiscal year 2025, introduced as House Bill 4025. For the Legislature Today, I'm Chris Schultz in Morgantown.
2: However, Senator Eric Tarr, the chairman of the Senate Finance Committee, was not that impressed with the governor's proposals.
4: While he's campaigning for Senate, he can come in, and like I said, he uses those tax dollars to candy, promises everybody anything, says, I tried, by golly, they couldn't get it for you. He knows that. And I think it's cruel to go out and say that, yeah, we can do this for you, when he knows that's not the case. So, um, So I was disappointed coming out there yesterday, but I'm extremely optimistic about what this session will come through, because there is room to do really good things in this budget, and we'll be working on those as we go through.
2: When the House of Delegates gaveled in for the regular session yesterday, the members welcomed nine new delegates who were appointed by the governor to complete the terms of delegates who resigned for a number of reasons. The House clerk says that's a pretty tall number. There were more than the usual number of hail and hearty first day welcomes for the new delegates who were not elected but appointed to serve out the terms of those who resigned. West Virginia Democratic Party Chair Mike Pushkin, a delegate from Kanawha County, agreed. Nine was a tall number.
4: Yeah, that's definitely out of the ordinary
2: to have that many uh, resignations. But I, I wish uh, you know everybody who has who's who moved on. I wish them well, and uh, and I welcome uh, all the all the brand new delegates we have. House Majority Leader Eric Householder, Republican from Berkeley County, recognizes delegates resigned for a number of reasons, while noting that those elected bear a responsibility why this is the people's house so you know when people when we get elected we're expected to come down here and handle the people's business for a certain number of days a 60-day legislative session now sometimes people do quit because of career changes or sometimes people are quitting to take care of their own self-interest and maybe seeking higher office or running for a different office but uh, those are the reasons that I can't answer why people make those decisions but unfortunately some people do quit Bushkin says the public needs to understand that delegates working for those who elected him or her do have a workload. It's considered a part-time legislature and definitely part-time pay, but it's a full-time job and that's, you know, we're always working and we should always be available for our constituents. Understanding there are often special circumstances to resigning office, Householder says the elected position does come with a commitment to duty. Normally, if you're elected, you should always try to fulfill that obligation to the people and that's why they've elected you. West Virginia delegates serve two-year terms with all of the seats in the House up for election every two years, so those appointed have the option to run for the office upon term expiration. In the House of Delegates this morning, House Concurrent Resolution 13 commemorated the life of Marilyn K. Parsons, a beloved and dedicated public servant for more than 40 years. Longtime clerk of the House and former delegate Steve Harrison told me this would be a hard and heartfelt resolution to read.
5: And whereas Marilyn K. Parsons began her public service as an executive assistant to Governor Arch A. Moore, where her skills soon made her a valuable member of the staff in his administration. And whereas Marilyn K. Parsons continued her public service on the West Virginia Republican State Executive Committee. And whereas, shortly thereafter, Marilyn K. Parsons was hired to work for the House of Delegates under Minority Leader Larry Swan and served in a leadership role in the House of Delegates under five Minority Leaders, Larry Swan, Bob Burke, Bob Ashley, Charles Trump, and Tim Armstead, and two speakers, Tim Armstead and Roger Hanshaw. And whereas during her 38 years of service to the House of Delegates, Marilyn K. Parsons represented the gold standard of an effective legislative employee, therefore, be it resolved by the legislature of West Virginia that the legislature hereby commemorates the life of Marilyn K. Parsons, devoted mother, grandmother, dedicated public servant, and icon of the West Virginia legislature, and be it further resolved That it is with heartfelt gratitude and sincere sadness that the members and staff of the legislature hereby extend our thanks and affection to the family of Marilyn K. Parsons as we collectively mourn her loss.
2: The Senate is two days into its 86th legislature 60-day session. Brianna Heaney brings us this overview through Senate Bill 300.
1: The Senate introduced another 99 bills today after entering nearly 200 yesterday. The majority of those bills were sent to committees for further discussion, while some were moved to first and second reading. A few notables include Senate Bill 151, which will clarify terms and offenses of human smuggling. Senate Bill 154 increases penalties for drug possession and updates list of offenses. Senate Bill 162 would establish a summer feeding for all program. Senate Majority Leader Tom Takubo says that the bills that have moved to the second reading are all bills that had almost the full Senate support last session, but were not passed into law.
0: Pretty much the entire Senate voted uh, to affirm those and move them along last year, and for whatever reason they didn't pass in the House. So. Uh, We re-listed those again this year just to speed the time, nobody had any issues.
1: In other business, the Senate passed a resolution recognizing the dedicated public service of Donna Boley, the longest continually serving state senator in state history.
4: Of those nine times that she's been elected, I've been here eight of those uh, through those election cycles. Um, I, I consider Donna a great friend, a great colleague, and I will make a statement here that I I don't think that we need to make very often. But sometimes people serve here and they hold a position and they are in an institution that we revere. And some people come here and they become an institution of the institution. So to me, she has done that.
1: For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Brianna Heaney in Charleston.
2: Next, earlier today I spoke with Delegate Sean Hornbuckle and Senator Mike Caputo to get the minority response to the governor's state of the state address. Here's that interview. We are here on our new The Legislature Today set here in the Capitol Rotunda. And uh, you may hear a little bit of echoing, but we're gonna work right through that. And we're here. To hear the minority response to Governor Justice's uh, State of the State address, and with us is the House Minority Leader Sean Hornbuckle from Cabell County and Senator Mike Caputo from Marion County. Gentlemen, thanks for being here today. Thanks Thank for you. having us. Thank you for having us. Well, let's let's start out with just a general perception of what you heard last night from the governor.
6: Well, you know, the governor said a lot, but I feel like the overarching tone was a lot of collaboration. He really touted tourism, diversifying the economy. And if we could start there, uh, think about this. I mean, the Biden administration has been huge with pumping dollars into West Virginia. But then when you you know take that down a notch, Senator Joe Manchin, Shelley Moore Capito, they have worked together in a bipartisan manner to help deliver those goods to the state of West Virginia. And then with the leadership of the Speaker in the House, Roger Hanshaw, also Senate Craig, uh, President Craig Blair, he's helped a lot, but they put a plan together that's involved both Democrats and Republicans, Marshall University, West Virginia, West Virginia State, and again, that has been the tone. That If we work together, we can really do this thing. Senator Caputo, what stood out to you?
4: Well, I think uh, Minority Leader Hornbuckle uh, uh, elaborated on how we're trying to work together and do good things for West Virginia. Some of the ideas that the governor uh, put out front have been Democratic ideas for years, and, and I'm happy to see that finally someone's taking those ideas and running with them, like eliminating the tax totally on Social Security. That will help so many retired West Virginians. We want to. We always talk about how we want to help our seniors, and sometimes you know we talk a lot more than than we do. This will really help a lot of people who's living on Social Security benefits. A, a Democratic proposal that's been around for years and years and years. And of course, child tax credit, which is near and dear to my Minority Leader, Senator Wolfel, was talked about, and that's another Democratic uh, uh, initiative that we want to make sure we take care of parents who have to pay for childcare but go out and work and and take care of their families as well. So those are two things that were very, very, uh, very, very important
6: to me. And speaking on that, on that child care, which is something that we've, we've run with since probably the 50s as Democrat core values in child care and education, uh, one of my members, Delegate Kayla Young, uh, she is also working to complement the Senator uh, Mike Wolfel's ideas and doing some really, really innovative things in child care
2: as am I.
6: Uh, so we're really excited about the opportunity to help a lot of our families.
2: In fact, do you both get the feeling in both of your chambers that we hear from the leadership as well and the governor that something with child care is going to happen this session? It has to happen. I mean,
6: and you got to think about it. I mean, we're talking about the economy. We can't have a robust economy if we don't have child care. We got to make sure people can get to work. That they can put their child uh, in a good place to keep learning, not just the care. And so it's wildly important for our economy to
2: keep growing. We talked about education. Last night we heard the governor talk a little bit about school choice, talked about a certain amount of money that to go to enhance charter schools. Yet he spent a lot of time talking about the value of public schools and people should be involved. Uh, What about the Democrats? How do you feel on that?
4: well you know i certainly think it's a horrible idea to take public money and invest in charter schools these were supposed to be profitable schools which we uh, as Democrats didn't like this whole plan of taking taxpayer dollars away from the masses to benefit the very few well now it appears as though these charter schools are not profitable They want to throw some more state money at that I I think the public should be uh, concerned deeply about that proposal and I think that money should stay in the public schools and I do appreciate What the governor said about public schools, I just wish that we would focus more on the dollars going to public schools.
2: You don't want to outlaw school choice completely. No, we don't want to outlaw it completely.
6: And and we understand the value of a parent being able to choose for their child. However, when the governor comes out, we appreciate him saying he wants education to be the centerpiece. Well, it's time we start doing. And with the money that we're spending elsewhere, we need to make meaningful pay raises for our teachers, which is so important to us. But also we have found with the Hope Scholarship, there has been dollars, taxpayer dollars, that is leaving our state today, Randy, to go fund Ohio, PA, Maryland with these private schools. That is money leaving our public education system. We heard a lot of announcements, LG, Amazon's here, what good are these jobs if we are not helping our children to have a brighter future through our educational system? And so if it's going to be the centerpiece, it's time we do more and actually prove that. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, and I'm hearing from Board of Education from all over the state how the Hope Scholarship is really cutting their budget numbers drastically because the money follows the child now. So they're going to have to make really, really hard decisions in the public schools, and I want to be clear too, Randy, I think a parent should have an absolute right to educate their child anyway they see fit. I just don't think public dollars should be going to private schools. I think it should benefit the masses.
6: So from a House perspective, what we're going to do, we're going to aim at legislation that's going to add transparency and accountability uh, to that Hope Scholarship. I know firsthand uh, in my area, especially uh, Wayne County, which is a neighboring county, they've been decimated by this and they can ill afford to lose any more resources. So we have to protect the taxpayer.
2: Because Riley Moore will tell you that this Hope Scholarship has caveats in it that allows that money to go out of state. Uh, and, so, and that's something that you want to remedy? Yeah.
6: I mean, and you, do you think that it's fair for our taxpayer dollars to go fund somebody in Ohio?
2: I, I'm not allowed to say fair or not. Well, uh, I, I
6: think our taxpayers deserve to have their taxpayer dollars to serve the people of West Virginia. I and I think the
4: majority of taxpayers would agree with the minority leaders uh,
2: we heard a laundry list of spending proposals that the governor gave last night, um, and the big ones were $100 million to hospitals, $150 million for school building authority, but only $15 million to fund fire and EMS. That doesn't, does that balance? We philosophically disagree with that
6: math. Uh, our volunteer fire departments, I mean, come on they are part of the backbone of our first responders i mean they're doing so much especially for our small rural communities we have to pony up more money we just simply put
4: i've been here a long time 28 years that's my 28th year there's not been a year that, that volunteer fire departments has not been down here asking us for help And it's not because they just want more money they desperately need help from us so they can survive as, as sean said they are the backbone of so many of our rural communities in West Virginia. Everything happens and revolves around our volunteer fire departments. They should have a higher pecking order when it comes to state funding because they protect so many of us. They keep our insurance rates down. They save lives. They run into burning buildings when we're running away from them. They need to be a higher priority for the state of West Virginia.
2: And when it comes to that run into burning buildings, do you hear from Jody Ratliff, the, uh, the director of the Office of Emergency Management, on the mental health needs uh, of these first responders. And in 2024, it seems to be exacerbated from the 30 years that I've been reporting that when they get back from a traumatic situation that any George Jane would have trouble with, there's really not a whole lot that can help them ease their pain. So, how important is that to do something that, from the legislative perspective?
6: Well, I know this is one of the things, and I'll let my senator follow up on this. Uh, This is one of the babies that a former colleague of ours, Democrat uh, Chad Lovejoy, was working so hard on, All right, actually along with Larry Pack as well, uh, to remedy some of these issues. So we found it wildly important uh, to make sure the mental health of our first responders is up to par.
4: Mental health needs addressed all across West Virginia, and first responders is not excluded from that list. They see things that most of us will never see. Post-traumatic stress syndrome is real for many, many people. Uh, many people in the military, many people that do public service like this. Again, they say thing, see things that we will never see and hope to never see, and we need to we need to focus on that more.
2: I got to be careful with the word crisis. One of my New Year's resolutions is not to say crisis as much. But correction still remains in a state of emergency. I think there's still more than 350 National Guardsmen and women that are filling in at our jails and prisons. Last night, the governor came out with a little surprise there and said, you know, and I know we have. 277 jobs that we filled over the last six months or so and that that's not a bad number at all but he said that by the end of the summer he expected to have all those national guards folks out of our jails and prisons doable so that is something that i do appreciate that the governor talked
6: about last night uh, but again it goes back to we got to do more and we've got to we got to be able to do it quicker um they are hurting inside there uh we've got to get relief to our correction officers but we also randy we've got to do something about the conditions in our facilities the conditions of our facilities are substandard. Uh, it is detrimental uh, uh, to not just the inmates, but the workers in there. And they're taking things home. Uh, we've gotta desperately help them.
4: I, I totally agree with, with Sean. Uh, the conditions are deplorable in some of our prisons. I just received a letter from a mother today who lost a son in North Central uh, Regional Jail and, and can't get zero information on what happened to her child. I'm going to address that uh, as a senator. I'm going to be contacting governor's office, commissioner of corrections. Regardless of what happened, that family needs to know what happened to their child. And, and a lot of that comes because of shortages and, and staff shortages and what have you throughout those prisons. We've got to make it a, a competitive pay with competitive benefits. We've got to make people want to work there. It not just be a stopping point till something better comes along.
2: So the increments on pay has just been boosted up. I mean, what it was six, 6 million and six million last year. And, and not a lot of pay for the middle management folks. Some of them just got $250, and we're too happy about that. They've been there 15 years. Some of these uh, officers have been there too, and they were getting, you know, thousands of dollars, where others, others were getting hundreds.
6: And let us not forget about our southern partners. All right, I know a lot of folks down there, McDowell County. Some of their officers are contracted, so they were not able to enjoy. And, and some of those pay raises. And, and so we cannot forget about them as well. Very, very important. We do not forget about our Southern coal fields.
2: And when you talk about conditions, Senator Caputo, uh, you see Commissioner Marshall saying that, you know, for example, that uh, the gymnasiums during COVID were just used for storage and stuff. They said that clean them all out, get to some exercise equipment back there, uh, 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 An an inmate that's able to exercise is a happier inmate. Makes a happier place. Is he on the right track with what he's doing?
4: Well, I think he is, but we have a long way to go. You know, we need to rehabilitate. We need to look at nonviolent offenders that are spending long, long periods of time in jail and see what we can do to rehabilitate those folks. Get them out, make them productive citizens again. That's what we need to do. Now, just sticking someone in a jail isn't the answer for West Virginia. We've got To
6: rehabilitate i appreciate the senator so much he's right it's our job to rehabilitate and to have them to be a function member of society that benefits all of us we can't have them in conditions that are counterproductive to them
2: coming out with that senate bill 232 i heard the other day in interims uh this group that is putting together these uh diversion uh taxes to 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 get people that aren't violent offenders not to be in prison but there's, the funding is the challenge. The funding becomes the challenge. Of course, there's organizational challenges, data challenges. But the most important part from what they say is your group that you set up is funding. Absolutely. absolutely. I mean, you're not disagreeing. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing. And funding, you talk about funding. One of the
6: positions that we will take as a house is we want to legalize adult-use cannabis. Uh, we find it for a lot of reasons. Uh, one, we want to shrink the black market. We want to shrink the black market, uh, keep non-violent offenders out there, keep them off the payrolls. We want to go after the bad guys, the real bad guys, right? So we're going to shrink the black market, and it goes back to revenue. With all this spending that we're doing, we're going to need some extra revenue.
2: Short time, real quick. Um, Changing the transfer rule for high school kids. I know you're a coach. Yes. Uh, Can that be done?
6: It can be done, but again, like I've said before, it's got to be very nuanced. I don't know if we can just do it this session. I would like to. It would be a goal of ours. But as I've said before, what is happening right now does not work. But also for the sake of the student-athlete and their opportunities after high school, for educational opportunities, we can't just go back to the previous way. We need a new system that works better for everyone involved. Governor
2: said if we stay with this system, it'll ruin high school sports.
4: Well, that's what he said. And, I, you know, he's, uh, he's a coach, and it's passionate to him, and I think it's something that people like Sean and others will will find a solution for and work out but I do want to end with one thing I, I want to send the Senate Democrats and I think the House Democrats will support as well we always talk about we want the people to decide what's best for West Virginia we're going to, we're going to introduce a constitutional amendment to legalize cannabis in West Virginia as Sean said we think that will shrink the black market we think that will save lives because of the fentanyl and, and what-have-you and it will create a lot of revenue for the state of West Virginia that we could use toward uh, rehabilitation and, and whatever we see fit, but let the people decide. The, the majority party always says that, so we're gonna give them the opportunity to run that bill and put it on the ballot.
2: And with that, Senator, I already have that bill in the House, All right, Carry over from last year. Gentlemen, we're gonna have to end it there. Thank you very much for your time. Good luck with this session. Thank you, thank thanks you. for having us. I thank both gentlemen for their comments, and thank you for spending this time with us. Come back tomorrow and every Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. to watch the legislature today. We'll have more news and interviews from the 2024 legislative session. And remember, West Virginia Public Broadcasting is covering the session daily in our radio news program, WV Morning, and on our news site at wvpublic.org. We also broadcast the daily floor sessions of both the House and Senate on the West Virginia channel, and we stream those on our website as well. I'm Randy Yohe. For everyone here at WVPB, thanks for joining us and have a great evening.
1: Support for the legislature today is provided by West Virginia University, offering education, health care, and the opportunity to achieve career success since 1867. Information at go.wvu.edu forward.